0: Alright, so I'm just curious, how many of you when you were little and you were sitting in church and like there were people up on the platform and somebody prayed and then when you opened your eyes, everybody was gone. Y'all thought that was like magic. Anybody? There's a couple. I I just want to make sure it wasn't only me. Okay, I'm curious. So the secret is they walk. They don't close their eyes. So now you know what's going on. So let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever had something in your life that you got really excited about because you thought what it was was going to give you more freedom? Driving. Driving, okay? Doesn't give you more freedom? Okay. How about this? Has anybody in here ever started a brand new job? Do you remember the excitement for those of you that have a job and get a paycheck that you had when you got the job? And it, it, so, uh, there's a little bit. There's a little bit. And, and you were promised the freedom of a paycheck, right? You were going to have money. You are going to be able to go and buy things and do things you wanted to do until you found out about taxes and that the government takes some of your money. And then when your friends call you to do things, you can't do them because you have to say, I have to go to what? Work. Work. That's absolutely right. Or, or who has one of these? Does this make your life more free? It it seems like it should. You can get a hold of anybody anytime you want to. You can play any game your parents will let you download. You can look on the internet. But all of that freedom, all of that freedom goes away. When you realize your parents are tracking your every move, your parents have to approve everything that you do, now anybody hold of you anytime, whether it's phone call, text, voicemail, social media, all of those things, I would chat, at your daily usage, usage sometime and see if this is something that gives you more freedom or something that really enslaves you that don't call me right now. Thank you. I'll ignore it. That's what I'm going to do. See, here's the thing, guys. There's things in our lives that we will look at. And sometimes we think that's going to give us freedom and we will start. Sue those things because of the promise that it holds that that nice shiny new look to it of hey if I go after this I'm going to be able to do more things my life is going to be better I'm going to have freedom here but what we find out with some of those things is sometimes those things don't bring more freedom what they actually do is they limit our freedom in fact some of those things I would say actually enslave us kind of like a cell phone if we're not careful And that is the exact same idea that Paul is talking about tonight. As we pull up into Galatians, we're going to finish out chapter four tonight. And Paul is talking about this idea of being free versus being a slave, except he's talking about it in terms of God. Because if you remember, Paul is writing this book. Well, we're not going to get into all the questions right now, but who is he writing the book to? the churches in Galatia, okay? So it's a group of people, it's a group of believers, and he's writing this letter to them, and the reason he's writing this letter to them is because who have they allowed into their churches? False teachers. So Paul went, he helped plant these churches, he taught them scripture, he taught them what the gospel of Jesus was, and then he left. And in that time that he left, false teachers began making their way into those churches. And what those false teachers is they were actually adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what's the main idea? What's the main theme of this book? Salvation through faith alone. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins is the only way you experience salvation. And these false teachers, these Judaizers, as they're referred to, they're coming into this church and they're saying, yes, you do have to believe in Jesus. He will forgive you of your sin. But you also have to submit to some of the Old Testament law and some of the Old Testament tradition. And that's how you experience salvation. So they were adding to the gospel. And as we saw last week, when we that middle part of chapter four, we saw Paul, Paul pleaded with them saying, please do not listen to these people because what they're teaching you, it is not what you know to be true. And tonight what he does is he uses an Old Testament example. It's one that we've heard him refer to over and over throughout this book. And it's one that we studied um, on D-Now weekend when we were here. It's called the Abrahamic Covenant. It's when God made a covenant with Abraham. And the the people would have been familiar with that. The the Jewish Christians would have been familiar with that. The, The Gentile Christians who were studying Scripture and studying the Old Testament, they would have learned about that as well. So what Paul does is Paul goes to an example... That all of them would have understood to help them understand what it looks like to pursue things that look like they promise you freedom, but they actually end up enslaving you. And that's what he's going to do as we jump into this chapter tonight. So I'll ask you a couple of the questions that we haven't asked yet. And I've already given you the answer to this one. Who wrote the book? Paul. Okay. When do we believe he wrote it? Around 49 to 54 A.D. Yeah, somewhere around there. We've already covered the main theme. We've already covered um, why he was writing it there. And we've already talked about. No, we didn't talk about jail, but we're not going to. But thanks for playing. All right. So we're going to do what we do every week. In honor of reading God's word, I'm going to ask you to stand. And Mr. Chase Brimhall, come on up here. He's going to read for us tonight. (laughs) Microphone number two. Are you use my Bible well yeah you can do that right there how do you read right there um one letter at a time buddy
1: <laughs> that's
0: no don't read that that's my handwriting you can't read that it's too small read that okay uh,
1: tell me you who desire to be under the law do you not listen to the law for it is written that Abraham had two sons one by a slave woman and one by a free woman but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh while the son of the free woman was born through promise now this may be For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as that time he who was <laughs> born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so say wait, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we
0: are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you again for who you are. We thank you for the time that we have in here tonight, Lord. I pray that, that we will be different because we've been in your presence, we've been in your word tonight, Lord. Help us to see how we can live lives that honor you through what we see here tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, whoa, you got behind me. Get out of here. <laughs> Nicely done, Chase. He really liked what you did, Chase. That was good. All right, so if you paid attention there, that was really confusing, wasn't it? Because he's talking about two women, and he's talking about children, and he's talking about slaves, and he's talking about freedom. But what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through this passage because, as I said before, to the people he wrote this to, this would have made perfect sense. For us, we've got to go backwards a little bit to understand exactly what's happening here. So what Paul does in this first verse is He starts off the same way he started off multiple times in this book so far. He starts off with a rhetorical question. Do you all remember what a rhetorical question is? Yeah, it's a question that they're not really looking for an answer for. He's going to give you the answer. He knows what he's looking for. He's just trying to get people thinking. So he says there in verse 21, he says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? What Paul is saying there is, he's saying, hey, Galatians, you people that say you believe in Jesus Christ, but you also wanted to adhere to this Old Testament law and these Old Testament traditions, do you know what you're doing? Have you even paid attention? Do you really understand what you're giving yourself over to? He's trying to get them to think about what they're actually doing when it comes to what they say they believe. In fact, he's already addressed this more than once, but specifically. It's like a run on the bathroom right now. But specifically, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, listen to what he said. He said, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live By them, So the Galatians were submitting themselves to the Old Testament requirements from Scripture. And they were doing this thinking that was going to bring them more freedom. It was going to bring them closer to God. It was going to improve their salvation. But what they were choosing to pursue was actually enslaving them. Because what he says right there in chapter 3, he says, hey, if you're going to live by the law, you have to remember you have to live by every letter of the law. You have to keep all of it perfectly. You cannot fall at one piece of it because if you do, you are now guilty of all of it. And that's why he starts off there in verse 21 and he says, do you not pay attention to what you're doing here? You're choosing to do something or to try to do something that you can't do. Because the whole point of the Old Testament law, the whole point of the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses to give to his people, the whole point of the other 600 plus laws that the Jewish people had, all of that that did, uh, all of that served to show God's people that they could never meet his standard. Remember, in the Garden of Eden, God gave his people one rule, and they broke it, didn't they? And then God gave his people ten rules, they broke all of those in fact Moses said hey they're not going to be able to keep these rules God because he already knew and then all these other laws that were added to it nobody could keep those laws perfectly because no one is holy no one is righteous no one is perfect on their own and what Paul is trying to help see is if you know that no one can keep the one law and no one can keep the 10 laws, and no one can keep the 600 plus laws, and you're guilty of all of it, if you fail in just one, why would you submit yourself to that? Why would you submit yourself to that and choose to do something that you know you can't live up to because you can never live that law out perfectly? He's trying to get them to think about what they're doing. And then he goes on in the next verse. He says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. Now this is where Paul is going backwards and he's referencing the Old Testament in something that they would have understand. This is a a story that plays out through Genesis chapter 16, 17, 18 and and 21. So you can follow the the account of Abraham and and his wife Sarah and this other lady named Hagar through all of those chapters. But basically what happens here is God came to Abraham in the Old Testament and God made a covenant with him. Do y'all remember what a covenant is? Yeah, it's, it's a promise. And remember, God, God is the one that made the promise. God is the one who is making the promise. God is the one who will fulfill the promise. Abraham, he really doesn't have control of this at all. So God makes this promise to Abraham. God says, Abraham, you are going to have descendants that will outnumber the stars. And through your descendants, through your family line, the nations of the world are going to be blessed. But there's only one problem that Abraham finds with this promise. Does anybody know what it is? Yeah. He doesn't have any kids. Well, he's old too. He's about a decade older than his wife. He is 75 years old when God makes this promise to him. And they have no kids. Now, in our day, 75-year-olds aren't really having kids, are they? No, that's kind of like, don't even want to think about that. They're not having kids. That's not something that happens. But here's the thing. God didn't fulfill his promise to Abraham for another 25 years. Abraham was 100 years old when he had a son. His wife was 90 when they had a son. So sometime in that 25-year span, Abraham got a little impatient. Now, he trusted the promise of God. In fact, you can find places in Scripture where it talks about, especially in Hebrews chapter 11, that, that his faith was credited to him as righteousness because he believed the promise of God, he trusted God, he saw God carry out that promise. But somewhere in that 25-year period, Abraham and his wife decided that that promise wasn't happening fast enough. So Sarah takes her servant, her son, Hagar, and says, Abraham have a child with her. And she gives birth to a guy named Ishmael. The problem is, that is not the child that God promised. Because when God made the covenant, when God made the promise, He said, it's going to be through you, and it's going to be through your wife, Sarah. So then Sarah got pregnant. And Sarah gave birth to a young man by the name, well, a baby, grew into a young man, by the name of Isaac. So now you've got two sons of Abraham. You've got Ishmael, who's born to the slave, and you've got Isaac, who's born to Sarah, who's a free woman. This is what Paul's talking about here. He's saying you've got got this idea of Abraham, and you've got two sons. One is free, one is a slave. He's trying to help them understand that there's a major difference between those two. And then he goes on in verse 23 of chapter 4. He says, "...but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise." He's helping them understand that there's a major difference between these two, and it's something we need to pay attention to, because in that account of Abraham and Sarah and these, these babies being born and all of this, there's times in our lives where we decide that whatever it is that God has decided He's going to do, it's just taken too long. And we take matters into our own hands, don't we? And we try to fix things for God. We try to make things happen for God. And just like we see in this account between Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, we mess things up in a big way. You've got, you've got Ishmael, who was his mother was a slave. He was born out of a lack of faith in God's promise. And you've got Isaac, whose mother was a free woman, and he was the child that God had promised. And then Paul goes on in verse 24. He says, now this may be interpreted allegorically, good job getting that word right chase that's a hard one right there this may be interpreted allegorically he says those women are two covenants one is from mount sinai bearing children for slavery she is hagar now hagar is mount sinai in arabia she corresponds to the present jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children So if you know anything about the Old Testament, we've talked about the Ten Commandments and how those were given to Moses, and that's referred to as the the Mosaic Covenant right there, the Mosaic Law that we've got. So that's what he's talking about right there. When he says the one is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery, she's Hagar, he's associating this whole thing with the Ten Commandments. He's saying, Hagar, that's, that's who she's associated with. And when Paul talks about present Jerusalem, he's referring to the fact that at that time, In Jerusalem, the place where the the nation of Israel dwelt, all the Jewish people were, he's saying, in Jerusalem right now, you should know that Jesus Christ is a Savior. But most of the Jews, did they accept Jesus or reject it? They rejected it. That's what he's talking about when he says, present Jerusalem. She corresponds to present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. You see the majority of the Jewish people they still believe that the promised savior the promised messiah when he came he was going to be this military conqueror. He was going to come in and he was going to overthrow the and the Jewish people were going to have freedom and they were going to rule and he was going to set up his kingdom right there and everything was going to be exactly like it was in the garden of Eden. But that's not how Jesus came, is it? We celebrate that at Christmas time. He came as a baby. And he had to learn all of the things we've had to learn growing up. And he came in not to rule and not to take over everything, but he came in to serve. When Jesus came on the scene, he didn't come the way that people thought he was going to come. So they rejected him. They persecuted him. they took his life. All because he wasn't the picture of the Messiah that they had in their heads. So what they did is instead of clinging on to him, they clung to the law. From the Old Testament and they trusted in that for their salvation and that's what Paul is saying here is that when they reject Jesus it means they've chosen to be saved to the law that they can never live up to this thing that they thought promised them freedom and promised them connection with God is something that actually enslaves them because they can never fulfill it and for their entire life they will work and they will try and they will do all of these things to earn their way to God and they can't get there that's what Paul's talking about but then he changes it here and he says in verse 26 he says but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother what Paul's doing there is he's saying that this Jerusalem above he's identifying that with Sarah He's identifying that with the free woman, the woman whose child was born free, the woman whose child was born of the promise, the covenant that God made with Abraham. These people are the ones who have seen Jesus for the Messiah and the Savior that he is. They're the descendants of Abraham. They're the descendants of Isaac. But it's not just the Jewish people. It's everyone else who would come through that promise. Remember, God told Abraham that the nations would be blessed through his line. That extends beyond the Jews and beyond that bloodline to everyone who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that we are heirs with Christ and that we receive everything that comes with that because when we put our faith and trust in him, we are children of God. It tells us we are adopted as sons and daughters. And that's something that is unbelievable. And we are a part of that because of what Jesus did. Because those who choose Jesus Christ, they are free. Those who choose to put themselves under the law, scripture tells us you're under that curse. That's a scary place to be. And look at what it says in verse 27. He says, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. That is really weird what he's talking about right there. What he's actually doing is and we're not put there but in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 1 he is quoting that verse from Isaiah. And what he's doing is he he's pointing to the truth that just just as Isaac was conceived and born through divine methods remember it's now let me make sure I'm clear on that. We know that Jesus, the whole thing is he, he was a virgin birth, immaculate conception. There was no male involved in that process. That was God who did that. This is not the same kind of divine conception. Okay, there was a husband, there was a wife. They did what husband and wives do, and they had a kid. But it resulted at their age because of a promise that God had made. So there was divine intervention there. But with Ishmael being born to Hagar, that wasn't God's plan. They had stepped out of what God had told them was going to happen. And what scripture tells us right here, when he's quoting that, he's saying that, okay, this one child was born that way, but there's going to be many more who will be born as children of God among the Jews and among the Gentiles. And I know I've said this before, but just in case you don't know, if you're here tonight and you are not of Jewish nationality and descent, you're a Gentile. So when Paul is talking about that with these group of people, that extends to us, to us as well because we are children of that promise because of Abraham, because of Isaac, because of that entire bloodline that went all the way down to Jesus Christ. And he goes on in verse 28, he says, Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. The Galatians are born again through a miracle of God. They are the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham. And all of these Gentile believers, they had, didn't have a bloodline that was connected to Abraham. They didn't have a bloodline that was connected to Isaac. He said, you are a children of the promise. And the same thing holds true for you and me if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You're not saved from your sin because of who your great, 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 all the way back as far as you want to go, who your grandfather was. You're not saved because of your bloodline. You're not saved because of the things that you do or because of the fact that you've been in church your entire life. Scripture tells us that you are children of the promise if you put your faith and trust in Jesus because he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. See, this sounds like this is something Paul's writing to them that doesn't really have anything to do with us today, and yet everything he's saying applies to us directly. Because we're still benefiting from what God promised Abraham so long ago. And then Paul writes in verse 29. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him. Who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. Now what he's doing is he's going back to that story in Genesis. In uh, Genesis chapter 21 verse 9. You see that. Ishmael, who is now older than Isaac, and Sarah gets mad because something goes on, and Ishmael kind of starts picking on Isaac and making fun of him. And at that point, Sarah gets mad, and Sarah goes to Abraham and said, hey Abraham, he's making fun of my kid, I want you to kick him out. And and he does. And and he actually sends Hagar and Ishmael on their way. That's the reference that Paul is saying here about the, the one who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, but he's also referring back to Galatians chapter four seventeen, where Paul talked about this idea that those false teachers, we talked about this being a social tactic that people use sometimes, these false teachers, they were excluding the Gentile Christians until they agreed to do what these false teachers told them to do. They were excluding them, they were pushing them out, they were not letting them be a part of what was going on until they said, okay, fine you want so that we can be a part of what's going on and that extends to us as well because we see that sometimes in the modern church today this church every other church in creation where you have the people who have been in church their entire lives and they know how to do all of the things they can sing the songs without looking at the screen i know it sounds crazy right you actually memorize it they know all the words from the hymnals y'all know we used to have those hymnals books where you have songs what's that yeah, we still do. We just don't ever use them anymore. But they know all of that, and 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 they 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 dress a certain way when they come to church every time. Oh, and by the way, if you don't dress that way, you may not be quite white right with Christ. And and they talk a certain way. And oh, by the way, if you don't talk that way, maybe you're not really following God. See, it still happens today. What these what these false teachers, what these Judaizers were doing is they were saying you don't quite meet our standard we're not talking about God's standard we're talking about our standard and because you don't meet standard you're not quite living up to what God has called you to do so as soon as you get on board with what we're doing then it's okay for you to be here and then you're really right with God and he's saying that's at all what he's saying scripture tells us it should be he goes on and he tells us here in verse 30 he said but what does the scripture say and I want you to pay attention question anytime you hear something about God anytime you hear something about Jesus anytime somebody tells you hey if you're going to live as a Christian you've got to do this and you've got to be this way and you've got to follow these guidelines and these always ask yourself but what does scripture say always go back to the word of God Sometimes they might be right. And when you read it, you'll see it. Okay, great. That's how I need to live a life that honors God. Sometimes they're making stuff up. And you have to go back to scripture every single time when anybody tells you anything about God. You guys have heard me say this over and over again. When I am up here, when I am teaching you the Bible, when you're in a life group and somebody's teaching you the Bible or you're in a Bible study somewhere else and they're teaching you the Bible, don't ever take the word of the person Who is leading that study at face value open your bible and read it for yourself because that is how you live as a disciple of jesus christ is to study his word to see who he's called you to be And Paul says right there, but what does the scripture say? And he goes on and he quotes Genesis chapter 21 verse 10. He says, cast out the slave woman and her son for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit but the son of the free woman. So he's talking about what's going on in the Abrahamic covenant again. You got Ishmael, the son of the slave woman, you've got Isaac, the son of the free woman, and the son of the slave woman is not part of the inheritance that God promised Abraham. He's not part of that covenant, so they say, you need to get him gone. You need to kick him out. But he's also telling these people in Galatia in that region, he's saying, "You've got the same issue going on with these false teachers." These people who are choosing to choose, to go after things that are enslaving them, you need to get them out. You need to stop letting them infect your church. You need to stop letting them tell people that aren't things that aren't true. He's calling them to take action now. He's saying, don't give in to these false false teachers. Get them out of our church and don't let them have any more influence. And then he throws out one last reminder in verse thirty one. He says, "So brothers." We are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Paul is reminding them that he and them, the Galatians, and all believers who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are no longer slaves to the law and no longer slaves to sin. Now the question running through your mind tonight is probably, what in the world does all of that have to do with me right now? Because we don't live in slavery. We don't have all of these things. But that verse that was true for the Galatians, it was true for Paul, and it's true for anyone in this room that's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The question I want to leave you with is this. Are you living in the freedom that is yours in Jesus? Are you seeking after things that are putting you back into slavery? That's what Paul was trying to help the Galatians see that they were free in Christ. That's what Scripture tells them. That's what he writes in in other books in the New Testament. In the book of Romans, Paul says this in in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, he says, "There, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Are you living in that freedom that is yours in Jesus? Or are you pursuing freedom in other things that are going to enslave you? For some people, they do it in relationships. It's that boyfriend, it's that girlfriend. I'm going to find freedom in that relationship. And all of a sudden, that relationship traps you. And, and that boy, that girl, they are your savior because you spend all your time focused on them and worshiping them and pursuing them. Some people pursue a paycheck, a future career. And that is your functional savior. Because that's where your hope is. If I have enough money, if I have the right career, if I go to the right college, if I do all the right things to get out of my parents' house, then I'll have freedom. And you're looking for your salvation in those things. And those things are enslaving you. Paul is saying over and over again here, stop pursuing those things. Pursue the freedom that you have in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Those things aren't bad. God blesses your life with all of those things. They're not bad at all, but when those things become your functional savior, that's a problem and you're enslaved to it. Paul is telling us, pursue Christ. Pursue Christ with everything that you have and don't let anything else... else other than him so that you can live in the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ are you pursuing the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ tonight if you're not maybe it's time to start maybe it's time to stop pursuing those other things maybe it's time to wholly and fully give your life to him and you can do that tonight if you never have You ask God to forgive you of your sin. Scripture says confess him as Lord of your life. Turn away from the things that you're pursuing that don't honor God and spend the rest of your life chasing after him. When you do that, you live in the freedom that God promises through Jesus Christ. You have to decide tonight if you're living in that freedom. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can come together and we can study it. We can understand who you've called us to be. And God, I pray for every single person in this room tonight. Lord, I pray that you help every single one of us that has put our faith and trust in you to pursue the freedom that we have in you through your son, Jesus. God, help us not to go after the things and be enslaved and trapped by the other things that promise freedom, God, but simply draw us away from you. God, I pray if there's anybody in here tonight that doesn't know you, they've never come to that moment where they've understood, Lord, God, that we're all sinners, and the only hope we have is through Your Son Jesus. God, I pray right now You'll show them how much You love them. God, I pray right now that You will help them to trust You with everything they have. Thank You for all of this in sending Your Son's name. We pray. Amen. Thank you.